What's going on everybody? Welcome to People Playing Games. As always, I'm your host Mike Andronico, and today's guest is someone whose work has probably made you laugh in some form or another. He's a New York-based comedian, the creator of the wildly popular Lizard People of New York blog, and more recently, the editor-in-chief of gaming satire site Hard Drive. Jeremy Kaplowitz, how's it going, man? Hey, how are you? Good, good. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It seems like uh, you guys have been having a busy time over at Hard Drive slash Hard Times. Some new things in the works. You guys just launched a podcast. Yes, we did. Yes, the Super Mario Bros. Super Show Show. Which is such a fantastic name. <laughs> Thank you. So what, what was the idea behind saying, hey, we're going to watch every single episode of this old <laughs> obscure Mario Brothers show and, and uh, talk about it on a podcast? Um, I mean, it's definitely not like a, we, we didn't like strategize and come up with a bunch of podcasts. It was definitely something where like I just really wanted to watch that show. And I was like, who wants to watch this with me? And um, the only person I could find was another hard drive editor, Mark Roebuck. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And here we are. And it's funny, I, you know, I listened to the show expecting you guys to just kind of be slogging through it like talking about just how god-awful it is but oh, no we love it <laughs> yeah it, it actually and it i i, I must, i'm sure i watched it at some point as a kid but i barely remember it and so mm-hmm. i kind of forgot how just weirdly surreal the whole thing is yeah yeah we don't i mean we know it's not like we know it's not good like it's not like you know it's not game of thrones but like we're into how weird it is like we're we're fascinated by it yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially just the the weird mix of the of the live action Mario and Luigi who are just regular plumbers. I think is hilarious. Yeah, it's so weird. It's awesome. So yeah, definitely for anyone listening, check out the Super Mario Brothers Super Show show. Yeah, I think I got it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't think Mark can fully pronounce the name yet. I think only <laughs> I can. It's just me so far. That's right. It takes some practice. Definitely, definitely a tongue twister. Uh, but yeah, we're definitely going to talk a lot about hard drive and a lot about your comedy work. Uh, sure, but as yeah. I like as I like to do on the show, I like to start things off um, by getting your gaming origin. So, sure. what are kind of the uh, what are some of the first games you grew up playing? Um, my the first anything I had was just like uh, like Game Boys. I had a Game Boy Color as a kid. That was my 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 first video game stuff. I was born in uh, 1993, so that was I didn't have any like consoles for a while. I had like Pokemon and you know like Red and Blue, and then like Silver. And then I had like, uh, you know, what I was thinking about recently that I had that I feel like no one talks about that much is um, Game Boy Camera. You know oh, yeah. Yep. I had like the printer and everything. It's so weird how like that was such a big deal. And now it's just like every cell phone in the world. It really was. It was basically the first selfie, like the yeah. first the first device that could take a selfie, uh, even though it was in, you know, it, had, it was made of like three pixels, but still. Yeah, it was cool. I loved it. It was like you could put little, I can't remember what, you could put like something on like pictures. You could like do like filters and stuff. Yeah, and there was a whole way to print them out. It was yeah, it was pretty yeah. wild. Game Boy was a wild system. Def- yes. Definitely one of definitely one of my favorites. And then I um I had the Game Boy Advance and it didn't have like a backlight or anything, but my dad had figured out that like you could order these backlights and then like take them apart. And it was this whole thing where you had to like you you didn't if you didn't want to break your Game Boy Advance you had to um, like take it apart but you had to have the shower running so that there was like enough moisture <laughs> in the room and then we would put the the screen on and I was like a little kid so I don't really remember but we like had like we got like he like got his friend over and we like put the screen on it with the shower and everything and then like uh, two weeks later the Game Boy Advance SP came out and it had like the backlit screen and we we're like oh, all right well I guess I could have just gotten that, but I had a, so I, I never had the Game Boy SP. I always had the uh, Game Boy Advance with the backlit screen. 
doing all that that extra custom work yeah exactly there's actually still kind of a whole kind of sub community of people still that actually still mod those old school gbas yeah, with backlights cool. yeah yeah for there's a lot of retro collectors out there that i guess seek that stuff out so it's pretty interesting yeah i mean those were cool those were those were cool systems because you can take they were like white and small yeah they, they were really nice um Nintendo's always done a good job with handhelds. The the Switch isn't quite as portable, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I never take my Switch anywhere because uh, you're in New York City, also, right? Or are you just yes. So do you do you have a Switch? Do you ever like take it on the train? I do, and I, I do occasionally. I mean, and this is like this is like a first world problem, but like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have a, such a short commute that it's almost not worth yeah. bringing it. <laughs> but also, yeah, it is. It's way different than having your DS because it is like taking your Switch out. It's like a process. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's like big. Yeah, you can't just stuff in your pocket and go. So, but it is cool that like they've made. Um, I feel like all the Switch games are designed to be like short commute games, like 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 a Breath of the Wild or something. Like you can like hit up a shrine. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's so it's many cool great... how they designed it around that. Yeah, awesome system. Probably probably my favorite console right now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I have um, no complaints. Definitely. And uh, <laughs> speaking of favorite things, do you have a favorite sure. game of all time? Uh, I don't know. I feel like. Their video games are so um, based around nostalgia, so I might have to be like, like I played like a disgusting amount of like Halo Three as a kid. That might be yep. my favorite. I don't know, maybe like Portal Two. That yeah. game, like, I feel like I played so much Portal when it yeah. came out that like I was like, you know how like sometimes a video game will break your brain, like you get like Tetris effect. Like I, I remember like I played so much Portal in I think it must have been like high school that I, I, I woke up one morning and I had this thought where I was like, oh, I can just put a portal and go downstairs. And I was like, I am, I need to like stop. I need to go outside. Yeah, no, that, that definitely happens. I think yeah. I had a similar experience, weirdly enough, of all games. I think it was Splinter Cell Conviction, uh-huh. uh, which is a weird game to have the Tetris effect with. But uh, I was playing, I played like the entire co-op campaign with a buddy. And I think I like went to the bathroom after thinking I could like breach that door yeah, it's or weird. like take cover against the wall. It's yeah. It's embarrassing. Cause like, as I was saying, and I'm like, this sounds like I'm like doing a joke, but like, no, that was like how my brain was working. I don't know. It's really weird. It, no, it, it totally happens. The, uh, the Tetris yeah. effect is real. It's also a great game. That yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, portal, I think portal two might be my favorite game. I don't know. It's a good pick. Yeah. yeah. Both, both great games, both classics. So, yeah, we're going to talk about games a little more when we get to hard drive, but I kind of want sure, to talk yeah. about um, just how you got started in comedy in general, you know, what inspired you to to get into it. Um, I mean, I was always a really big comedy nerd in like high school. Like I was like obsessed with YouTube, like sketch groups. Like back when I was in high school, it was like kind of the heyday of like Lonely Island. And there mm. were all these smaller sketch groups. There was like uh, Britannic and like Good Neighbor stuff who both went on to work for SNL. And then there was Derek comedy who obviously became like really popular with like, yep. that's like Donald Glover and everyone. And there was like magic hugs and all these different ones. And I was like really into like YouTube comedy groups. And then I got into like stand up. That was like comedy central had like all those like presents and everything. And then I went to college and like, I was, I remember um, the first time I ever stand up was because I went, I visited my friend in Rochester and mm-hmm. we saw um, Pat Oswalt and who's uh, terrific. And then his opener was like terrible, and I like went back to college and I was like, I gotta start doing stand up because these guys are <laughs> not that good. And that was like the weird like inspiration I had. And then I joined uh, there was a stand up comedy club in my college, and um, I joined that. And the person who started that club is another editor at Hard Drive. Oh, nice! So we've we've all been working together. That's awesome. Yeah, very close close knit group. So yeah, 
do you remember your first ever stand-up set oh yeah definitely i uh <laughs> I, my first ever stand-up set was an open mic in binghamton university and i did about two minutes and i did i told i think four puns which is like something <laughs> i would never do and uh it was pretty bad but the, like you know it was enough to to give me the comedy bug and you've uh looks like you've been pre- performing ever since uh yeah was, that was like like six years ago i think something like that and on top of that, you're the editor of Hard Drive, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've also done a lot of really cool and fun kind of creative things, uh, such as the very popular Lizard People of New York Facebook yes. page, which is actually how I first uh, discovered you oh, cool. way back in the day. Yeah, I was a huge fan of that, uh, where you basically put these hilarious captions over existing Humans of New York yeah. posts, um, all relating <laughs> to, to Lizard People. So how'd you get that idea? um i was always really obsessed with lizard people like the conspiracy theory i think it's really fucking funny that like i think there was a study once that said that uh something like five percent of americans believe in lizard people which is hysterical to me yeah and um in college we used to always try to do like lizard people jokes and it was kind of like an inside joke like we wanted to do there used to do in, in college there was like there would be like kids who would come up into a lecture and they would give like a presentation for like two minutes like hey we're promoting like this charity like come hang out after the lecture blah 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 blah. and we always thought it was so funny to try to um like get a professor to let us do one of those but then like slowly (laughs) morph it into like and here's the thing like lizard people have taken over the world like we all know this and just like do all that stuff so it was like very natural to um to like just start taking because like humans of New York is such a pretentious name like yeah like, who fucking calls themselves a human so <laughs> it was just like it was just funny to like switch it over to wizard people and I was like um I was gonna do like one or two but I figured it'd be funnier if I had like a page for it so I like right. populated it with like three or four and then like overnight I got like a few hundred likes and I like just kept going with it. Do you remember? Was it kind of a slow burn in terms of how popular it got, or did it just did it feel like it just kind of blew up overnight? Uh, in retrospect, it was a slow burn, but in my eyes, it was a lot because it was like I remember like at the end of the month we had like a thousand followers, and I was like, "Holy shit!" But now looking back, like that's not at all that much. Like I, I it definitely it felt like a huge blow up, but it right. wasn't really. And did you ever actually uh, hear from? the actual humans in new york guy like was he cool with it or yeah actually i i early on i emailed him uh brandon stanton and i just, i don't know i was just like being obnoxious and i was like you're I, I i accused him of being a time traveler who's taking my pictures and changing the titles <laughs> which is like such a dumb bit for just me yeah and then he replied and he was like uh he said something along the lines of like i'm never gonna stop or whatever so i don't know he was into it <laughs> that that is pretty awesome it's, it's good yeah. that he was cool about it although i will say i know someone who had their photo taken by him and he didn't know that it was humans of new york and he's tried to contact brandon Sandon and been like can you please take my photo down this is a really personal story and uh no response oh, so God. <laughs> he has time for me but no time for uh you know people who don't want their personal stories online that's pretty funny well i mean i'm definitely glad he's glad he's cool with lizard people of new york yeah yeah which is uh gone now but <laughs> yeah is there so is there a reason you kind of stopped doing it or is it just kind of other things kind of took um, up your time? So I mean, I did it for like two years and I was doing it pretty much every day. So I probably put out like, I don't know, like 700 Lizard People of New York jokes. Yeah. And after a while, I just like it, Humans of New York, I don't, I mean, it's still there and it's still popular, but I feel like isn't really zeitgeisty anymore. Like it's not something that people think about. Sure. And I was like, I was kind of like out of lizard people jokes like the 2016 election was over and like that's like all the politics that like I could fucking yeah. handle. So I stopped doing it and then I like slowly but surely was like just putting in like Facebook statuses which honestly a lot of lizard people in New York jokes like the ones that were more esoteric were just like 
tweets that I had and I put a picture on them. Sure. And um, so I sort of like slowly started uh, just like filtering in my own jokes. And I was like, you know what? It's been like a year, year and a half. Like I should just change the name to my own name because like I'm not like, who am I kidding? Like I, it's weird that I have it like that I have it as this dumb thing. Right. So I changed the Facebook name to just Jeremy Kaplowitz. And then what I didn't know is that Facebook alerts every single person who likes the page to tell oh, them yeah. that you've changed it. And I got like, like uh, most of the, like people weren't following it anymore, but right. I got like thousands of comments like, who the fuck are you? Like, you think that you can <laughs> fucking take this thing and turn it into a self-promotion? And it was super duper weird. And I remember cause I had, I had like 230,000 followers and when I changed it, now I have like 190,000. So it's weird to think that like I personally have negative 40,000 fans, but <laughs> that's where I'm at. That, that is that is a pretty funny story. Well, it, it, you know, I'm glad it seems like a, a good amount of people stuck around. Yeah. The jokes, you know, which is at cool. At least like 175,000 bots. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is Facebook after all. Uh, so your knack for satire actually led you uh, to being the editor-in-chief for Hard Drive, which is the gaming vertical for the great and very hilarious uh, punk rock satire site, uh, Hard Times. So how did you first get involved with those folks and actually end up launching that vertical um they're actually kind of connected the lizard people stuff i was writing for above average which is like another website and then Mm. um they like went away so i applied to write for the hard times and i was like writing for them for maybe like six months just doing like articles because they have uh, the hard times if anyone's listening and wants to write for the hard times it's extremely easy to write for the hard times you just send them 10 headlines and if they like you they'll add you to a facebook group if they like any of your headlines and and then you can just like pitch openly it's like extremely transparent and cool so it's like very easy to rise through the ranks of the hard times which is cool awesome. and um i was writing i had written like maybe like 10 or 15 articles for them and i was i reached out to matt sankum who's the editor-in-chief of the hard times and i was like hey i have this fucking blog called lizard people of new york and like i don't know what to do with it i would kind of want to like i'm sick of doing it and i want to do it sort of the way that you do hard times like it's so cool that you have like these contributors and he was like we were just talking and he was like, what if you like started like a parody of like a conspiracy theory website? Like what if we did like, uh, like Alex Jones satire and it slowly started morphing from like, what if you did to like, what if we did? And then we just like decided to do like a satire of like the alt right through lizard (laughs) people and through the hard times. And it was called truth bang. And I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah. I do remember seeing some of those articles. Right. It was a huge disaster. It fell apart immediately. <laughs> uh, turns out people don't want more intense Alex Jones. That is uh, not something that people are interested in seeing on their everyday Facebook feeds. It is sure. uh, horrible and uh, not great. And I feel like a lot of people have learned that lesson because it feels like the big thing to do. And like The Onion tried Patriot Hole for like a hot second. Yep, yep. And then like Comedy Central had The Opposition, which is another one. And Sat- it seems yeah. satire in general, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems harder to do now when yes. with real life being as ridiculous as it is. Yeah, that's part of the problem, I think, is, like, no, who, the, like, as we were doing it, like, it quickly became, like, I don't want to heighten Alex Jones. Like, he's sure. a bad person, and, like, we just have to write, like, these horrible jokes, and they don't, like, it wasn't fun, really. It was just, right. like, it was weird. Um, So that ended, what Truth Bang ended. But right when we ended it, uh, another Hard Times contributor, Mark Roebuck, who had written, like, a t- I think he might be the most... Uh, I guess prolific, I don't know if that's the right word, but like prolific yeah. writer for the hard times because he's written like 150 articles and he had pitched the idea of doing a video game website and um, they were like, well, we have these two editors that are doing a website, but it's failing and we have this other guy who wants to start one. We all just kind of combined and started Hard Drive, which has been much more successful. 
Yeah, um, these days you guys get looks like uh, around a million page views a month. A yeah. huge audience. I'll, I'll say personally, I'm not saying this to be nice, but your guys' stories get shared amongst my friends and coworkers pretty much every day. Uh, it's always cool. always something I look forward to. I'm with, glad. With such great headlines as Nintendo says they haven't gotten any faxes complaining about their <laughs> online service, or yes. <laughs> Soldier Boy sues Fortnite for not putting his dance in their game. Seems like you guys have a good knack for kind of yeah, you know, tackling current gaming events in a, in a really smart way. Yeah, it was. It's been. I mean, we've been doing it for like a year and a half, so it's definitely been like a learning experience. First, like early on, we our whole thing was like we're gonna do satire jokes within video games. So like Mario does blah blah blah, or like sure. You know, Master Chief, uh, blah, 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 blah. And we've had to, we've learned pretty quickly that, like, satirizing video game industry and, like, the way people play video games is much more interesting. So those are both, like, satirizing, like, Nintendo, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, and to that point, you know, as as an editor and writer myself, every time mm-hmm. I read your guys' stuff, I, I always think, like, man, I would kill to be in the newsroom when they're having <laughs> their editorial meetings coming up with all these ridiculous stories. So what kind of is your process like every day from deciding sure. what to write about? So uh, I think um all the editors for the hard times are like pretty online all the time kind of people like extremely yeah. online so we're all like up to date with like what's going on and we have like a slack conversation where we like chat about stuff but we have a um as i was saying before we have like a pitch group for writers who just like the way the hard times works is there's a big facebook group there's one for the hard times and there's one for hard drive yeah and we and everyone pitches just headlines and we all like the ones that we think are funny. And then, like, if one gets a lot of likes, we'll be like, hey, you should write that up. And then every week we do, like, an editorial meeting where the editors get together and we put up a big Google Doc with, like, 300 headlines. And we go through one by one. And we're like, this one's good. This one's not good. Write this. Write that. So it's really helpful to have, like, uh, like video games especially, like, I don't know that much about every video game. Like, I know the video games I know. And then Mike... Our other editor knows the video games he knows and then sure. kevin and andy know what they know and it's hard to uh you know for, to to capitalize on everything so it's really cool to have a bunch of editor uh writers who can like help us get to that level and then we come from more of a comedy background and we can help shape those jokes into like the hard drive voice so that's kind of how we do stuff right right and and now it, it, i know you personally have written about over 100 articles uh on hard yeah. t- hard times and hard drive combined and obviously you're, you're running the site every day are there any stories that really stand out to you as as ones you're particularly proud of me personally ones i've written or or just in general um yeah there's a lot of really i mean i feel like sometimes online satire can get kind of formulaic even like the best of the best like i think the onion's hilarious but you know every now and then you can kind of like predict like what an onion article is going to be sure so there's always like i always love the ones that really break the form of that uh, the most popular one we've ever written was a Waluigi article. It was uh, Nintendo confirms Waluigi is uncircumcised for some reason. Yes. Oh, my God. That one's so good. I love that article so much. And what I love about it especially is that I personally, in the meeting that we had it in, was like, nah, I don't like this one. And I was outvoted. And then it ran. And it was, like, hugely popular. And it, like, took me a second to, like, totally get it. And it's just, I love that one so much. There's a joke at the end where, like, one of the Nintendo executives... Uh, it's just, it's just says like off the cuff that like oh yeah by the way like the shy guys they have no gag reflex so they can just like go to town <laughs> and it's just such a good joke it just makes me laugh so hard uh the reason also that's a funny story too because we were going to run that that article came out on and i don't know every article when they came out but that one sure. i know specifically came out on 9 11 2016 oh, and God. the reason is because once again i didn't have that much faith in it and we um we were going to run a different article which came out another a different day and it was called uh, like God strikes down GameStop Funko Top Power uh, Tower that like 
yeah. you know, rose too high. It was like a, t- a Tower of Babylon, <laughs> a, tower, a Tower of Babel uh, parody. And right. we were going to run it, and it was like supposed to run in like 10 minutes. And then someone was like, wait a minute. It is 9-11. We can't run an article about a tower falling. Like, that is hugely Oh, so that was, that was totally unintentional. Yeah. You guys didn't realize. No, we were like, this That's- is horribly offensive. People are going to be mad at us. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, what do we have? And I was like, oh, we got this Waluigi article. We can just, like, run that. And then it, like, blew up, and I was so happy. That's <laughs> Like, amazing. that was the one. But, yeah, that, that one I'm really happy with. I like that one a lot. Great story. Yeah, de- definitely one of my personal favorites. So, you know, you guys parody a lot of real-life people, uh, whether it's news outlets like IGN and Polygon or um, you know, yeah. people like PewDiePie and, and Reggie fils It seems like some people are good sports about it. Like, you know, I saw Jason Trier retweet your, your story yeah. about him <laughs> him working 20-hour days on Blood, Sweat, and Pixels 2. <laughs> and, you know, Patrick Gill from Polygon uh, shared your story about, you know, bullies creating yes. Polygon video creators. So have you ever had the opposite reaction where people you parody just get really pissed off and offended you know honestly i don't think so like we i wrote an article like really shitting on notch once who i oh and honestly i think he's a terrible person i don't like him but he he loves it he retweets it every time he's like ah you guys got (laughs) me which you know is weird uh the polygon one i know that like it seemed like they liked it but a lot of polygon fans were really mad about it so i don't know I remember there was like a polygon. There's like a polygon shit posting group on Facebook, and I commented on it. And I, there was like a huge thread where everyone was like, "Fuck this guy! He's like making fun of Polygon." And I was like, "I like Polygon. It was just a joke." Sure. Yeah, and on that on that same note, do you have any other funny stories of just people believing your your articles are completely real and legit? Yeah, that's the thing with online satire now. It's like a lot of bad online satire is uh just trying to trick people like the whole shtick is like uh they'll just like they'll write stories that are almost believable but they're not like it'll be like donald trump says that he thinks nancy pelosi should die and then people believe that because it's like a believable thing and um so we try not to do that like we our goal isn't to trick people ever and yet every single article we write i would say at least a few people think it's real like every single one like the soldier boy one that came out recently a lot of people thought that was real which is fair because it sounds legitimate but, like, we, we wrote an article that was, like, uh, Mario, um, like, Mario goes into existential crisis after losing go-kart race to baby version of self, which is, like, <laughs> doesn't exist in the real world. And I sure. wouldn't be surprised if a handful of people thought that was real. Like, like that was a Nintendo story or something. So it's really right. weird that, like, no ma- literally no matter what we put out, people will think it's real. But those sure. are the big ones. Usually, like that's what, like the way that I comfort myself with that is like that's the same way lizard people of New York worked, and the same way hard drive worked is like I don't think that I stand behind every joke. I don't think that any of them are tricking people. But part of the setup of satire is that like your brain, when you look at it, thinks it's a real thing. Like with lizard people of New York, you look at it and you think, oh, this is a humans of New York, without even like thinking of it. And when you look at a hard drive article, you think this is a real news article. And then by the time you finish reading the headline, you get that it's a joke and it like makes you laugh. So I do think that there is some sort of like inherent, like you're tricking like people on a subconscious level to, you're trying to make it look legitimate so you can sell them a joke. Exactly. Yeah. Be just be just realistic enough until yeah. they uh, until they hit the punchline. Yeah, until they exactly. realize Waluigi is um, is circumstance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know you've been doing hard drive for it seems like close to two years. Um, do you have any kind of big plans for where you want to take the site next? Obviously, you guys are extending into podcasts and you guys have done some video work. Is there anything else you guys are kind of looking to push into? Um, I mean, I think we want to kind of just do whatever we can. Like, obviously. 
most of our traffic, like, you know, 99% of our traffic is through articles. So we're not going to stop doing articles. And also they're just like kind of the bread and butter, but it would be fun to do more outside of the box stuff. Uh, a lot of our videos come from this guy, Peter Kemi, who just, mm-hmm. you know, emailed us one day. He was like, hey, I love your articles and I like to do videos. Can I make you guys videos? And we we're like, sure. And then I don't even really edit them much. They kind of just go up on the site and I trust mm-hmm. them a lot. So that's like kind of how that happens is like people will pitch us stuff. Sure. Um, the podcast stuff, like The Onion, I think is really popular for, and I love The Onion, which, I, you know, I, I can't praise them enough, but like their big thing is no one knows who writes any onion article like it's all just the onion and the onion puts out articles which is cool but i think that in 2019 one of the cool things that the way that people interact with media and comedy is they like to know who is behind all of the stuff that they like like people people enjoy podcasts because they want to be like sort of friends with the podcast person sure and that's one of the things that we're trying to do is push like uh we're trying to push more more transparency between who's behind what's going on so if we can push our writers and stuff like that to like make if people want to make a video that they're the star of we're really into that and that's one thing that we're trying to expand in a you know that's how we're trying to move forward awesome get get more personality more more faces out there uh, as a side note, I did really enjoy the Comic Con video you did. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> talking about gamers as a protected class. Yeah, so well, it's anyone, a huge issue. <laughs> it it really is. Seeing seeing how how seriously folks took it, I thought, yeah, that was just so awesome. I should point that out. I also am running for president of the Gamer Party. Yes, I think you're qualified. <laughs> thank you. So definitely, definitely have my vote. <laughs> so I was I was curious who some of your inspirations are uh, as both a comedian and a writer. You know, who are who are some of the folks that kind of inspire the work that you do? Um. Uh, definitely a lot of stand-up comedians I really love. Like, as I really used to love Pete Holmes. He was a big guy. I, mm. His um, I'm not like super into his newer stuff, but uh, Nice Try the Devil is like a really awesome album. Uh, I love like Mike Birbiglia, Maria Bamford. Um, who else is there? Tig Notaro. I feel like I steal her voice a little bit when I do comedy. That's a lot of comedy. It's like when you're first starting out, and you don't know how to tell jokes. You kind of just have to rip people off a little bit until you can sort of build your own voice. And I right. feel like Tig Notaro and Mike Birbiglia are two people I like totally ripped off when I first started doing comedy. Mike Birbiglia, though. He's a genius. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of like uh, I was a really diehard uh, The Chris Gethard Show fan in college. If anyone haven't, has not heard of that they should check that out that's like a big mm-hmm. new york city comedy staple um they were like a public access television show for a long time it was really yeah. cool uh yeah i don't know that's that, those are those are probably what like taught me the most about doing comedy cool and uh do you still perform live a lot these days and and if so do you find it kind of hard to kind of you know balance running hard drive and all the other things you do with with stand-up and things like that yeah definitely i mean i have a show tonight for hard drive it's gonna we're doing like a we, we we're starting to do like comedy shows in an apartment where we play video games with comedians so that's like been a cool way to combine the two yeah uh, the hardest thing i think like obviously just doing hard drive every day takes a lot of time so it's harder to harder to do stand-up but i would say the hardest thing about doing hard drive that like it takes away from stand-up is that my brain doesn't think of ideas in stand-up jokes as much as it used to if sure. I thought of something, it would generally be in stand-up comedy form a few years ago. And now when I think of something, uh, maybe like half the time it's a hard drive article or like a headline. So that's been like a weird way that my brain has been conditioned to write satire more than it's been conditioned to write stand-up at this point. Right. So it's harder to think of ideas. But the time-wise, it's not too bad. 
Cool. Yeah, it definitely seems like two very two very different types of comedy, but it's cool yeah. that you've found a way to bridge the gap in, in some way. Trying. <laughs> so on a similar note, I was curious if you had any advice for folks listening right now, you know, people that are looking to break into comedy, break into games writing. Uh, yeah, what advice would you have sure. for folks looking to do some of the things that you do? Uh, I have no advice for people who are trying to break into video game writing because I truly do not know. <laughs> but if you want to be a fraudulent video game writer like I am, uh, <laughs> no, I would say... The trick is to just write stuff. I know that that's like a lot of people's advice, but that's the real honest truth is like, if you want to be good at stand-up, you have to be bad for five years. And if you want yeah. to be good at writing, you have to write a hundred bad articles and, you know, so on. So I just, like, I have a friend who like really wants to start a blog and it's been like a few years and I keep telling him like, just start it and don't tell anyone. Just write a bunch of blog posts for a year and tell no yep. one. And then yep. in a year, you'll be better at it and it'll be fine. So that's my advice to everyone. Like, just go out. I, I know I, I get that advice a lot and I, I find it frustrating sometimes because yeah. I want like someone to say like no you should do it this way but the real answer is just you should just do it and then yep. you know eventually you'll get better at it i mean i i started my you know i i'm a writer by trade mm-hmm. and i got started uh, with a tumblr where i reviewed pop punk albums yeah so really, it's yeah. like you, you just have to do it whatever it is you care about it's like you really just can't wait and then you can throw that stuff out like you don't have to tell anyone that you have that pop punk sure blog if you don't like it anymore like if you get better than that you can get rid of it and you know no one has to know exactly yeah, that's oh, the def- big thing is don't like, I, I would say like, you don't, you don't even like care about like getting successful or popular. Like it's cool. Like I'm happy that I have like, uh, that I'm pretty anonymous because I can just like get better until I'm good enough to not be anonymous. Right. Definitely. Definitely great advice. Just keep doing it, whatever you're trying to do. And yeah, Jeremy, that about does it for my questions. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, of course. Before I let you go, uh, where can people follow you? And what are some projects you're working on you'd like to point sure, folks yeah. to? Sure, um, yeah. I'm on Twitter, Jeremy Smiles, and I'm on Facebook. And I, that's pretty much it, I think. Uh, I'm working on this cool thing right now. I had a show called Bear Squad, where I wrote this pilot script about a team of superheroes called the Bear Squad, and they turn into bears and then they maul criminals to death. And I did a live show where I had a bunch of comedians and with like, I had all these drawings and we like recorded it and I'm trying to put together like a video that I'm probably going to release in like a week or two. And that'll be interesting and we'll see how that goes. But, you know, keep an eye out for that, I guess. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. And definitely uh, anyone listening, definitely check out the Super Mario Bros. Super oh, yes. Show show. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's what I'm trying to promote. <laughs> I think, and I think, I think you guys have a Patreon as well. If yeah, not we're at um, patreon.com slash the hard times. And that's not like really podcast heavy right now, but I think it's going to become more podcasty. Right now, sure. the whole perk is like, if you sign up, then we'll put you in photos for the hard times. So if that's something that you're interested in, you could be in a hard times photo. Cool. Well, yeah, definitely check that out if you guys are interested. Uh, yeah, Jeremy, thanks again. for, yeah, thanks for having me everyone listening at home as always this has been people playing games conversations with cool people doing cool things in video games i've been your host mike andronico you could find us pretty much everywhere podcasts are available itunes soundcloud anywhere else you like you can follow me at mike andronico you can follow the show at ppg podcast so thanks again for listening and keep on playing